0: hello friend i'm so grateful you're here welcome to the today i am enough podcast season three this season we're taking time to better understand who the women in the new testament are and their experiences we will learn more of them their story and how jesus christ tutored their lives we will learn more about how much jesus christ loves women for the first 90 days of the season you will also listen to a second weekly episode we will be discussing the book of mormon If you aren't aware of the Book of Mormon study group I have, check out the show notes or my website, todayiamenough.com, and you can sign up. It is not too late to join. We are reading the entire Book of Mormon from January 1st until March 31st. Each week, I will share my thoughts on the weekly reading and what I take away. Welcome! I am so grateful if you've been waiting for this episode to go live. I'm a day late. (laughs) There's been a compound of effects this week that just made it so I could not record earlier. So thank you for your patience and I hope that you find this episode. So we are reading this week, 1 Nephi 14 through Second Nephi 10. There was so much going on in these chapters. It was a little bit hard to just narrow it down. I try and do about five things. So first of all, We start getting into Isaiah in these chapters. So we have a few at the end of first Nephi and then second Nephi uh, is where a lot of it begins, Uh, just a few chapters at the beginning. And then Jacob speaks to us and then there'll be more next week. But as we get further into Isaiah, as we, what I learned as I read the old Testament last year for come follow me, as I really paid attention to what I was reading and didn't just like do fast reading just to get through, to get through, as I actually read the words and took time to look at the footnotes when I was confused or didn't understand something, everything actually was a lot easier to understand. So I even found that this time as I was reading and to remember that it's poetry. So that is how it is written. And it helps with that viewpoint in the understanding and helping it become a little more clear. So I hope that you take time to slow down a little bit as we read Isaiah and look through the footnotes and even look to your Bible. And I think we'll be able to take a lot away from, from those Isaiah chapters. I'm not an Isaiah expert. I just realized this week that I'm going to have to talk about Isaiah chapters. And that was a little scary, but we'll, we'll be good. We'll get through it. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about is first Nephi chapter 15. And as I was reading these I felt like Nephi was giving us a pattern of prayer that he was trying to teach his brothers the things they hadn't done and I there's so much to learn so Nephi has just found out all about his father's dream and a lot of other things but his brothers are like we we didn't ask so no like just tell us just tell us the things and so we're going to read focus for just a minute on verses 8 through 11 and it says and I said unto them have ye inquired of the Lord? I love that. Like, first thing first, if you don't know something, have you inquired of the Lord? And they said unto me, We have not, for the Lord maketh no such thing known unto us. Behold, I said unto them, How is it that ye do not keep the commandments of the Lord? How is it that ye will perish because of the hardness of your hearts? Do you not remember the things which the Lord has said? If ye will not harden your hearts and ask me in faith, believing that you shall receive with diligence in keeping my commandments. Surely these things shall be made known unto you. I think it's a beautiful pattern, right? Like, have you even asked the Lord? Like, that's the first place to start. And they just assume, oh, he's not going to he's not going to tell us those things. These guys have like seen angels, (laughs) like literal angels. And they're just like, no, the Lord doesn't tell us things. But if you're not asking, the Lord can't tell you. So we have this perfect pattern of like, ask in faith, be believing, and you will receive with diligence in keeping the commandments. So we need to, well, we need to not harden our hearts and then ask in faith and be believing and be diligent in keeping the commandments. As I read this, it reminded me of a pattern that president Nelson gave us. And I don't remember. I feel like I said this in another recent episode, but I'm going to say it again because it's one of my favorite talks by other uh, president Nelson. Um, In April 2018, Sunday morning general conference, he said, In like manner, what what will your seeking open for you? What wisdom do you lack? What do you feel an urgent need to know or understand? Follow the example of the prophet Joseph. Find a quiet place where you can regularly go. Humble yourself before God. Pour out your heart to your heavenly father. Turn to him for answers and for comfort. Pray in the name of Jesus Christ about your concerns, your fears, your weaknesses, yes, the very longings of your heart, and then listen. Write the thoughts that come to your mind, record your feelings, and follow through the actions that are prompted to take. As you repeat this process day after day, month after month, year after year, you will grow into the principle of revelation. Does God really want to speak to you? Yes. Think about what you can implement from these verses and from that quote into your life. Maybe just add one of those things, maybe just starting with a daily prayer routine, or maybe you can add pouring out your heart or becoming humble or asking with more faith or taking note of the revelation you receive or stopping to listen to know what revelation you're receiving. But I know that as we take time to slow down our prayers and really ask, and be believing, and pour out our hearts, and become humble before the Lord, that he can answer our prayers. And the timing of those is always going to be something that will be unknown for us, but our prayers are heard, and they're answered. Okay, we are going to move to chapter 16. Uh, We have some really big, famous Nephi stories, right? Uh, The bow breaks. Everyone else They go hunting, and everybody's bows break, and Nephi's was the last. His was made of fine steel, he says. And after I did break my bow, behold, my brethren were angry with me because of the loss of my bow, but we didn't obtain no food. So they were obviously really upset about this, and everyone was annoyed, right? They were probably all really hangry, let's be honest. However, it becomes this huge problem. Even Lehi is murmuring against the Lord, we find out. So Nephi, I I love, well, first I love that we see the prophet struggle. Like it's important to remember that prophets and leaders of the church are regular people. They have real emotions. They have real feelings and they are not perfect. If they were perfect, they would not be on earth with us. So it's important to remember that they have opportunities to repent also. I love that Nephi just decides to act. Maybe he wallowed a little. We don't really know. He doesn't actually say that, but they'd all hardened their hearts. And so what he did was he went and got a stick and he made himself a bow and an arrow. And then he went up to Lehi and said, where should I go? I love that Nephi acts. Sometimes in the thick of our trials and the moments of depression or the moments of being hangry, We sit around and we're grumpy and sometimes we're short with people and sometimes we don't make the right choices. Nephi teaches us a really valuable lesson. He gets to work. He starts making another bow. He solved the problem. And then he goes to Lehi and asks him where he should hunt. Nephi recognizes that even though Lehi has been murmuring, he is the prophet. He is the leader of their family. He is the line of authority, so to speak. And he is the one that would know where Nephi should go lehi humbles himself and then he goes and inquires of the lord and is chastened before he receives any answers he is chastened and then he tells him to look on the ball and so they find this ball outside the tent and in um, chapter 16 verse 28 and 29 it says and it came to pass that i nephi beheld the pointers which were in the ball and they did work according to the faith and diligence in And heed which we did give unto them. And there were also written upon them new writing, which was plain to read, which should give us understanding concerning the ways of the Lord. And it was written and changed from time to time, according to the faith and diligence which we gave it. And thus we see that by small means the Lord can bring about great things. I'm going to read verse 32. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did go forth into the top of the mountain, according to the directions which were given upon the ball. So I I love that um they were given a tool and the Lord gives us tools the scriptures we have general conference talks we have like our phones I have like literally all the church things and um and he gives us friends and he gives us families and as we I like that it says, and it did work according to the faith and diligence and heed that we gave into it. So they had to have faith and they have to have diligence. So they had to keep going, but they also had to like heed, right? They had to, they had to do work and they had to have faith and they had to go forward with those things. And I also like that things were written on it and that that changed. It makes me think of general conference and our current revelation and current prophets and apostles and how the doctrine is stayed the same, but. Sometimes the way that we need to heed the word of God changes. And so uh, we are given new direction from the prophets and apostles, just like the Leahona gave. So Nephi goes up to the mountain, like the Leahona says, and he finds food. He brings it back, and everyone's so happy, and they humble themselves. So this made me wonder I made a note in the margin of my scriptures. Do I humble myself before? or after the trial. It might depend on the trial, obviously, and how long it's lasting. In our moments of struggle and trial, maybe we can do a little better to recognize and ask the Lord for humility and see him more clearly in our lives. Um, In the middle of the trial is when Lehi humbled himself and repented. More of the family did so after Nephi brought food. Nephi if he struggled and murmured at all, which we don't know, maybe he humbled himself a little earlier, maybe making his bows where humility came in. But I think it's important to ask ourselves where our humility lies in the middle of a trial and when it shows up. Because sometimes it's hard to find that humility in the middle of a trial, in the middle of the annoyance of things. All right, very next chapter. We have finally arrived. At the beach, (laughs) they are in bountiful and it just sounds luxurious. Like they have everything. They have fruit and wild honey and everything's been prepared by the Lord for them. You guys, they were in the wilderness for eight years, eight years. It's a really long time to be like wandering the wilderness. Eight years. That's like from the birth of a child until they're baptized. That's a long time. So, they have everything they need, and they probably feel so great and happy. So, as soon as that happens in life, I feel like I start anticipating something really terrible happening. Uh, verse 7 of chapter 17 says, And it came to pass that I, Nephi, had been in the land bountiful for the space of many days. And the voice of the Lord came unto me, saying, Arise and get thee into the mountain. And it came to pass that I arose and went up into the mountain and cried unto the Lord. I decided, If there's one thing I'm going to take away from Nephi, it's that he has no hesitation. The Lord told him to go to the mountain and he went to the mountain. The Lord told him to walk into Jerusalem to go get the brass plates. And he walked into Jerusalem to get the brass plates. And in a minute, we're going to find out the Lord's going to tell him to build a ship. And so he went and he was like, where's the oar? And Nephi did not hesitate when the Lord asked him to do something, even if it seemed impossible. So he goes up to the mountain and he, in verse eight, it says, and thou shalt construct a ship after the manner, which I shall show unto thee, that I may carry thy people across the waters. And I said, Lord, whither shall I go that I might find ore to molten and make the tools to construct the ship after the manner, which thou hast shown unto me. Nephi is told to find Nephi is then told where to find the oars to make the tools. So, Nephi is just like, okay, cool. Like, let's do this. It's interesting because then he makes a bellow, also some bellows to make fire. So in these few verses, um, Nephi asks where to find the ore. So I believe that Nephi might have actually had this skill. Like it might have been something that he knew, maybe he did uh before they left Jerusalem. In part of second Nephi of this week before, I don't know exactly what chapter, but Nephi talks about uh, building and making tools and teaching his people how to do that. So I really think that Nephi actually had a skill of working with stone, maybe, or specifically, I'm not sure. Um. So anyways, it's just kind of interesting to think as you read through those chapters that maybe Nephi knew how to at least make the tools in order to build the ship. So uh, because Laman and Lemuel are cool like this, they like just couldn't like handle it and they couldn't help themselves. And they just had to like start on into Nephi, right? Like they had to start mocking him and asking how he's going to build a ship and that he's foolish and he's being led away from whatever. And I love what Nephi does. He starts asking them to remember scripture, right? This is something Nephi knows they know about because their father's a prophet and their father taught them things. And so he starts talking about the children of Israel and how they were led out of bondage and how Moses was commanded to help them. And then he goes through the miracles that these people encountered, the Red Sea, the manna, the rock, the water, etc. And he talks about how the Lord always keeps his word. And in verse 40 and 41, he talks about the children um, wherefore he did bring them out of the land of Egypt. And he remembered the covenants that he had made with their fathers. And even the serpent, right? That the labor which they had to perform was to look. And because of the um, simpleness of the way or the easiness of it, there were many who perished. And that they hardened their hearts. And all of these things happened, even amidst all the miracles. And as Nephi is testifying of these things, he talks about how he's filled with the spirit of the Lord. And uh, he feels almost weak physically. And I fearless, she shall be cast away. Behold, I am full of the spirit in so much that my frame has no strength. Verse 47. So he's just like so weak, (laughs) but he has the power of God. It makes me think of Joseph Smith after he'd seen the angel Moroni three times through the night and then went to try and work. And his dad told him to go home and on the way he saw Moroni again, because he was just so exhausted um, spiritually that it made him physically exhausted. So we're going to read verses 51, 50 and 51 in chapter 17. And it came to, and I said unto them, if God had commanded me to do all things, I could do them. If he should command me that I should say into this water, be thou earth, it should be earth. And if I should say it would be done. And now if the Lord has such great power and has wrought many miracles among the children of men, how is it that he cannot instruct me that I should build a ship? Nephi knew the God part of the Red Sea and that the children of Israel crossed it on dry land, not on wet, sandy, mud, garbage that's under the water. They passed on dry land. Nephi knew that manna had fallen from the sky. Nephi knew that people that looked at a a serpent were saved. He knew that. So he knew that by the power of God, that nothing was impossible. How is it that he cannot instruct me that I should build a ship? How is it that he cannot instruct you to do whatever impossible thing You feel like lays before you. I want you to think about that phrase and fill in the blank for yourself. How is it that he cannot instruct me to fill in the blank? If it be the will of the Lord and we are willing, it can be done. Nephi didn't need to turn the water into earth. He could have done it. He didn't need to do it. It didn't get done because it didn't need to happen. He needed to build a ship. That's what he needed to do. And he needed to testify to his brothers about what he could do so he just talked about all these miracles and if it will be done the lord will make it so nephi is commanded to stretch out his hand at this time at one point he tells his brothers not to touch him because he's filled with the spirit and um that they would wither and die and the lord constructs commands him to stretch out his hand So that the Lord can shock his brothers and they are amazed. But I do love in verse 54, but the Lord did shake them, even according to the word, which he had spoken. Nephi takes zero credit for this, like zero. He knows it's not him and that it's the Lord. And they, so he does that. And then they start worshiping him. But he says, I'm thy brother, even thy younger brother, wherefore worship the Lord, thy God and honor thy father and mother that thy days may be long in the land. So like, get up, stop, stop worshiping me, like worship God. He's the one that just struck you. Um, But I, I love, I love that he gives all the credit to God because he knows that's where it comes from, but he also has complete faith that God will be able to really strengthen him in this, in this. And he does, obviously he builds a ship. All right. So first Nephi, we're going to skip. to 21 so in chapter 21 we are talking about jesus christ and this is an isaiah chapter and i just want to touch on a couple verses here so in verses 13 through 16 we're actually going to read like two-thirds of the way down And 13 is where we're going to start for the Lord hath comforted his people, and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But behold, Zion hath said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. But He will show that He hath not. For can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on her son of her womb? Yea, they have forgot. They, yea, they may forget. Yet I will not forget thee, O house of Israel. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. So I love this. I think it's interesting because as a mother, we're like, we could never forget our child. It does happen. Like it's, I feel like it's rare. It happens. Um, But the Lord will never, ever, ever be able to forget us. But I think I love the beginning, like the beginning that I read Um, partway down 13 for the Lord has comforted his people and ha- will have mercy on his afflicted. Buzina said, "The Lord hath forsaken me, and the Lord hath forgotten me. But He will show unto them that He hath not." I think it's easy in the thick of trials that it's hard to remember that you're not forgotten. Sometimes it does feel like we're forgotten. This is especially hard when we're in the middle. I think of mental health trials. I've seen it in my own personal life, within my immediate family, within my extended family. That mental health can really be a hard thing to work through. And it sometimes blocks the spirit from really like being with us and us being able to feel that spirit. And so it can be really difficult to remember that the Lord loves you. It's, it's hard, no matter what trial you're going through, especially in the middle, like the middle, so messy and so hard. And that's where our faith is most tried, but he hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't look for him to show up because he will. And he does every day. It might be as simple as like the sun shining one day when you really just like need the sun or even the sun coming through the window and just like being on you. It might be someone smiling at you at the grocery store or offering to help you, or it could be in a text message, just someone acknowledging that you're there, But he cannot forget us. He cannot forget you. He has left those prints on his hands for eternity. We know that his resurrected body has those prints on his hands and feet inside so that we can feel them and see them and touch them and be remembered that we can remember that he remembers us and forever he will remember us because he is in that resurrected state with those wounds. And that's not how it's going to be for all of us. We will be perfected, whatever that looks like for us. And however that means, we don't know all the answers, but he could have had those wounds healed. But his perfected state is with us. To be remembered in the palms of his hands and the prints of his feet. Do not forget that he is always with you and he does not forget you. Okay, we're going to jump to 2 Nephi verse. I have chapter 10, sorry, not verse. Um, let's see. Chapter nine is very long. I'm sorry, it's taking me a minute. All right, so we are going to read verses 23 and 25. This is like the very end of our reading this week. Um, I, just, I like these verses though. Therefore, cheer up your hearts and remember that ye are free to act for yourselves and choose the way of everlasting death or the way of eternal life. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, reconcile yourselves to the will of God and not to the will of the devil and the flesh. And remember, after you are co- reconciled unto God, that it is only in and through the grace of God that ye are saved. Wherefore, may God raise you from death by the power of the resurrection and also from everlasting death by the power of the atonement, that ye may be received into the eternal kingdom of God, that ye may praise him through grace and through grace divine. Amen. So I love, first of all, like we get to choose. We get to choose if we have everlasting grace um, or or everlasting life or everlasting eternal life, everlasting death. There we go. Got the words right from the scripture. We get to choose that by the way that we live our lives and whether we follow Jesus Christ or not. And I like that it says in verse uh, 24, reconcile yourselves to the will of God that is really difficult (laughs) to be reconciled with God and to do his will sometimes seems really hard or really confusing because we don't always understand his plan. Like we don't see what he sees, but when we can do that and understand that he will always ask us to do something that is for our betterment, even if it seems really difficult or it doesn't make sense that we will be blessed for that. And it is only in and through the grace of God that we are saved. It is because of Jesus Christ and all that he has done that we are saved. And it is by his power. As we repent, He, we can turn closer to him. We are saved because he is and will continue to be our advocate. As we repent, which means, by the way, repentance means to turn. So to turn towards him and all that he teaches. We can be changed and become better and more like him. Okay. A couple of things I just want to go over that I just, I couldn't leave out. So in second Nephi two, it's talking, uh, Lehi's talking to Joseph about Joseph in Egypt And he's quoting Joseph in Egypt, who then talks about Joseph Smith. So it's like the three Josephs. So it's second Nephi chapter two, verses 15, 23, and 24. If you want to go look at that, it's really neat. And in the footnotes, it says Joseph Smith is who he's talking about. So I I love that. And in first Nephi 22, uh, there's several verses. It starts in verse 20 and then up to verse 31. We learn like, okay, there's so many struggles right? In this family, we know that this family is not perfect. And, uh, it's important to remember that Lehi wasn't a perfect parent. He had children fall away and it's okay. If your kids struggle, I just, I want you to know that it's okay. It's okay. If your kids aren't perfect, it's okay. If they question things and we just have to love and keep teaching. That is the example that Lehi gave us. He kept teaching the gospel to them and he kept loving those boys. And even the girls once um, he has daughters in law and then I'm going to list in the show notes and, uh, and I'll have on my website and the YouTube description, but we are talking about another Testament of Jesus Christ, another Testament. And in first Nephi 19, first Nephi 21, second Nephi two, second Nephi six, second Nephi nine and second Nephi 10, every single one of these talks about. Jesus Christ and his atonement, his suffering, his life. These chapters truly testify of Jesus Christ. So I wanted to make sure to point that out as well. Thank you so much for being here today. Again, I'm sorry this podcast uh, is going up late, but I hope that you enjoyed it. And I hope you enjoy reading the last couple chapters this week. And next week, Oh, I don't have the dates with me, but look in your email. I'm sending an email out to the study group people. So if you're signed up for the study group, you'll get an email with next week's readings as well. So I hope you have a good day.